Hello and welcome back to Nerd Geek Dork. It's been a while. It has. <laughs> <laughs> it's season two of Nerd Geek Dork. Yes. It's still the podcast where we uh, cover the nerdy, geeky, and dorky sides of pop culture. Uh, after all this time, I'm still Adam. I'm still L. Adam. Fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't lose your L? Yes. <laughs> and with me, as always, is Pete the Retailer. Hello. I'm Pete the Retailer. And uh, we're back here to talk about uh, Police Academy. That's right. We're talking about uh, maybe not just the first one. We'll cover the series a little bit, but you know, mainly it all kicked now off. Now I'm unprepared. Well, <laughs> it all kicked off with uh, the original Police Academy uh, from 1984, uh, which was uh, you know directed by Hugh Wilson, who was mainly a TV guy before that. Uh, it starred Steve Gutenberg, Kim Cattrall, G.W. Bailey, and a bunch of other guys uh, who we'll get to. See, so it came out in uh, March of '84. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was rated R, right? Does, does it say it on here? It had to be rated R. There were boobs. There was nudity in Police Academy? No, I don't nudity. think there were. Oh, wait, no. I just watched it. I just... No, there, no, there, there are in the, the fire scene, like the, the bonfire. Or is that one of the sequels? Yeah, no, the bonfire scene. And then there's the part where uh, Mahoney's watching the ladies shower. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you guys really remember these moments very clearly. <laughs> uh, I had to write a thesis on boobs in movies. <laughs> You're still working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and joining us to talk about Police Academy and possibly boobs and boobs are our friends uh, Crazy Joe hey everybody <laughs> should I have introduced him as Joe Maisel he's, he's been here enough times people know him yeah we've got uh, Damon hi I'm the real crazy one <laughs> <laughs> and our buddy Grog hey how's it going first time guest Grog yeah yes. how, 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 how did it take so long to get you on the show I was just waiting for a subject that I just couldn't resist. You're <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for Police Academy. Yes. All right, so I just watched the first Police Academy a couple of days ago. Damon, I know you just watched it hours ago, minutes ago. Yep. And it, it's weird because I mentioned this to Joe uh, and he said, you know, he was like, oh, did, you, did it hold up? Do you think it held up? Well, don't keep me in suspense. Let me know. Did it hold up? <clears throat> it's weird because it's, you know, some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff is still funny, but there's a lot of weird kind of racism and sexism that I wasn't aware of as an eight-year-old. It was the 80s. It's a lot of that. I actually wrote down a couple of funniest parts. Yeah. Like, first I thought one was the funniest part, and then there was a new funniest part. A nude funniest part or a new funniest part? <laughs> well, sort of. But, okay. um, you want to know what my two funniest moments of Police Academy are? Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down one of mine and we'll see if they match. Yeah. All right. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I'm gonna grab a pen here. I'm gonna write. I got I got a pen here. It's like so a regular Karnak. <laughs> first time that I was sitting there watching it, I was like, oh my god, this has to be the funniest part of the movie. Is actually like, um, I also think that this should be like um, an acting school or like an improv school um, trope. Which is when um, Leslie Nielsen as the commandant. No, is, that's, uh, that's not. That's not. It's not Leslie Nielsen. Uh, that's George, George Gaines. Gagley. Wait, is that not Leslie Nielsen? No, it's George Gaines who is. Oh. Uh, um, Punky Bru- a Punky Brewster's guardian. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. It's Punky Brewster's dad. All right. Well, when he is receiving fellatio while giving a slideshow. Hold on, hold on, Pete. What did I just write? 
Yeah, yeah. Adam wrote Blowjob Dad, <laughs> which I'm hoping is referring to this movie. The movie caps it off. Is what <laughs> or a zany idea I had. <laughs> like, that was so fun. Like, I actually laughed at that. At what? And I actually thought that, like, everybody should have to get through the rite of passage of, like, giving a slide. Like, okay, pretend you're giving a slideshow while receiving fellatio. Like, that is just on people. That's, That's funny, because I didn't even write two funniest moments. I just wrote that. That, yeah. that was the only scene I could think of that really still cracks me up. I mean, the whole movie does, but that's the funniest to me. And what, what was the other one? Yeah, my second one was, um, all right, so there's this scene. You know that really, like, kind of nerdy guy with the glasses? Sweet Chuck? Yes. No, he's yeah. not. No, oh, the other guy. Sweet Chuck in this uh, It's like he repla- was replaced by Sweet Chuck in the um, yeah. He it's, wears black and he's he's kind of like a side character. He's he's paired with uh Tackleberry, I think. I'm not I don't remember. But anyway. He's the guy whose wife throws herself on the hood of the car when he joins the academy. And then she joins Citizens on Patrol. Yes. Yes. Right. And the scene is reversed with oh. him on the hood of the car. Uh Fackler. Maybe, yeah that, yeah. that could be right. So anyway, he's sitting there in the police car and there are these bad dudes like kind of staring him down for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, you want me to turn the radio down? And so then his partner shows up and gives him an apple. And for some reason, he, like, doesn't like apples. So he, as the, they drive away, he throws the apple out of the car, like, over his shoulder. And it hits one of the bad dudes that's standing there. But he had turned his back so he didn't see where it came from. <laughs> so he turns around to be like, hey, who threw that apple at me? And just as he turns around... This other pack of bad dudes comes along, and one of them's carrying a whole bag of apples. Yeah. He's carrying <laughs> a whole like like brown paper shopping bag full of apples for some yeah. reason, for no reason at all. And this whole huge riot breaks out because of that. And I just love that. Well, and then I, the bad dudes would go on to rescue President Reagan. Right. Yep. They were I, after he was kidnapped by ninjas. Yeah. Exactly. I imagine them having like a writing session where they were like, "All right, we need to figure out how to get into this riot scene." <laughs> Apples. <laughs> yeah, what if we have him throw an apple at this guy? And then <laughs> so, yeah, that was my second funny one. Uh, the one that I wrote down is Hook's driving test. You know, firstly, you go through the whole thing that Hightower can't drive and Mahoney teaches him to drive and he gets, you know, he becomes kind of a uh, a very aggressive kind of driving you know, hero. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, next. And it's Hook's. And she takes the same course. And except she's going, you know, maybe, maybe 10 miles an hour. And for some reason, she just starts singing Santa Claus is coming to town while she's driving <laughs> in her like high. She's like, you better watch out. You better not cry. And just starts doing the same police course. And then the music kicks like, you know, like a, a non-diegetic version of Santa Claus is coming to town kicks in. And uh, it, it cracked me up. Non-diegetic. <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever been even used when referring to, to the police academy films? <laughs> <laughs> the police academy diegesis is so vast. <laughs> That's implying that there is a diegesis here. <laughs> Their first diegesis. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they should have done in one of the sequels? Or maybe I they did and I completely forgot that they did? They should have had Bismarcky come on. Was he in Citizens on Patrol? Because he might as well have been. I feel like everyone was in that. But, no, but him and Michael Winslow would have been like... Oh, wow. Like cousins or something. Like a duet. Yeah. 
You could have also had the human beatbox in there who was still alive at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What were you in fact, I was, I, I was sure that uh, the Fat Boys recorded the theme to Citizens on Patrol, but my research proved otherwise, and I've been heartbroken ever since. Oh. Aww. Yeah. Well, really, uh, the research was done about an hour ago, so I haven't been heartbroken for that long. <laughs> but. Um, it but, it was, but it was sung by Michael Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That did kind of improve things. <laughs> yeah. He actually, he just that. made sounds that resembled song lyrics, which is even <laughs> more impressive. He wasn't actually singing. He was just mimicking yeah words and then bobby mcfarren sued him um my when i you know i first saw police academy when i was uh eight i guess like it was i think when when police academy 2 was in theaters maybe it's a little bit later maybe i was 10 uh when that was first in theaters i went to my friend's house we rented police academy the first one <laughs> to prep yourself yeah to prep so we could catch up and we would know what was going on and then we were going to go see police academy 2 and i think we ended up not being able to go see police academy 2 so it's a little bit of a letdown, but we watched it, uh, I'm going to say, probably three times that night, that like kind of sleepover. Oh God. Especially, I remember rewinding and playing, there's a scene kind of near the beginning where somebody, is it Mahoney? Somebody's walking through with their mattress, and they kind of turn to talk to, it's a very Three Stooges joke, but they turn to talk to somebody, and they... It, the mattress hits Jones, hits Michael Winslow, and he just tumbles down the fire escape outside. <laughs> and then when he lands, he makes a video game kind of uh, you know, Pac-Man dying noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he makes Pac-Man dying. And that was that was the funniest thing for a ten-year-old, or at least me as a ten-year-old. <laughs> so we rewound that part and played it back over again. <laughs> Although you'll also be happy to know that uh, that Ella had never seen Police Academy. What? Yeah, so we, we watched it a couple of, a couple of days ago, and she also thought that Jones was the funniest part, the best part. Hmm. Which see, there's a lot to be said. You know, Michael Winslow is uh, you can't sleep on Michael Winslow. See, Ella, you probably could well, be awkward. Now you keep making noises. Yeah. <laughs> you can, <you> <laughs> um, see, Ella, Ella also, if she had watched them all as a child, she'd have much more. She'd find more funny, more things funny, as opposed to watching it your age, right? Because like I was, I'm looking at the dates here and uh when six came out i was still only six years old oh wow <laughs> so like so many of these things made me laugh like uh what is it citizens on patrol when um when zed like yells at the door to knock it down instead of kicking right. it stuff like that it's just well it's weird because it it very much morphed into kind of a children's franchise i watched the cartoon and i had the toys yeah <laughs> Like Zed, his, his shorts would fall down when his skateboard crashed. That was what the toy did. <laughs> oh, so speaking of the whole series and, and everything, did you know they're all produced by the same person? Yeah, yeah. Paul Maslansky. Paul Maslansky, yeah. Hmm. He, he directed a, a vampire movie called Sugar Hill. It's like a black exploitation. With Wesley Snipes? Oh, no, Sugar Hill <laughs> zombie gangsters, yeah, with... Uh, Black woman resurrects uh, voodoo people to run her gangs for her. Or black per- uh, black woman uh, resurrects zombies in the bayou to uh, run her gangster operations right. using voodoo. Hmm. Huh. I'd watch that. I think zombies are like uh, you know champagne or or parmesan cheese, right? They're they're like geographically protected. Like if they don't come from the bayou, they can't really be zombies. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just like the undead or something. <laughs> <laughs> Zombies. Uh, well, while we're talking about the crew, the the cast the cast is, is another thing. But while we're talking about the crew, it's also co-written by uh, Pat Proft, who also co-wrote uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. So, oh, there's, there's that. 
It all comes together. This, yep. this isn't your other podcast, Pete. No, I know. A, a lineage. <laughs> now, how did the uh, now for those who've recently seen it? How did the uh, Gutenbergian charm hold up? Can, can I can I jump in real quick? Of course. Last night on Hulu, uh, not Hulu, the Hub. Sorry, no, the Hub. They were playing. They were uh, showing uh, Short Circuit One. Oh yeah. Which is weird, because first I want to point out, The Hub, since it's a family channel, they edited out my favorite scene in the movie, my second, one of my two favorite scenes, when the robots are making a gin and tonic. Oh, yeah. Like, I love that scene. Yeah, they, I, ha- I have just that scene on my computer, actually. <laughs> they, they completely cut that part out. Huh. And then later on, someone references a robot making a gin and tonic, and it just doesn't, doesn't hold. But <laughs> I think his charm is, is timeless. And I'll also say I've met Steve Gutenberg in person a few times, and he's great conversationalist. Um at one of my old jobs, he left uh, his book bag there by accident. <laughs> and when he came back, and like his, we still had his book bag there. His Steve Guten bag. Oh, yes, <laughs> he he came back, got his book bag, and then came back and bought coffee for everyone that was working on the floor. Wow, what a what a guy! That's always a always went out of his way to shake our hands whenever he came in. Just super nice. That's, I'll never have anything bad to say about Steve Gutenberg. That's kind of a Mahoney move. Yeah, exactly. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It almost uh, makes me not want to make fun of him for Don't Tell Her It's Me, but, you know. <laughs> See, I noticed, I noticed this really um, kind of disturbing thing about him. Not, it wasn't really disturbing. But, He's got three hands. Well, like, so it's he's one of those like things that you really don't notice until later. Like. nice, affable, like, no, sort of noble guy. Like, he, you know, he hurt, helps the weak and, and, you know, throws himself under the bus for the better of other people, practically, literally. Um so so he has all these admirable qualities, but then he's so ridiculously um I guess the word is horny all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like just offensively and just he's so like I don't know, it's funny that we ex- that he his character was accepted by the eighties. Like because I don't know, I guess it's it's more reflecting of how things have changed, but he is just so he's looking up skirts and stuff like that, you know, like He's a man who loves life. <laughs> I'll give him that. And you can't fault him for that. As he it, also, for all his noble traits, is a complete, like, lazy con artist in the uh, a kind of ersatz Groucho Marx. Right. Now I feel kind of weird because I was just about to say I feel like I relate mostly to, uh, to Mahoney in this series. <laughs> just like, you know, he's got his that's, things that's, about him, but he, he tries to do the right thing at all times, always helping his friends out. about it because it's like he he is obviously the – you know, the character that we're supposed to relate to. And so I'm just thinking maybe that was more what everyone was like back then, or, or that was, that sort of thing was just more acceptable and wasn't embarrassing. Like we think it is now, you know? Right. Now what's interesting about the first one, correct me if I'm wrong, but along with Mahoney's, um, Bacchanalia attitude towards life, (laughs) wasn't there also like a Latino lover uh, character in the film? Yeah. Yeah. He was, it seems pretty cool when the other guys are getting their head shaves. He's like, ah, oh, just take a little off the side. Yeah, and then he does it, and everyone's like, wait, we can do that? Like, hey, this isn't the army. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, George Martin. Martin. <laughs> Except then he later, like, at one point during the movie, he's uh, he confides in Mahoney that uh, he's not really Latin. He's not really Spanish at all. He just it, it, He's doing that to, to get the ladies. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, I'm just George Martin. And then he, uh, he messes around with uh, Callahan, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Callahan. That was like one of the first like times I went, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm intimidated and well, in she's love. Very, in that scene, like she actually like 
undresses, but she's wearing this like ridiculously matronly undergarment, like which is really <laughs> funny because I actually remembered that part despite making fun of you guys earlier. Um, <laughs> and then when I saw it, I was like, what? Why would I even? I don't know. It was like J.C. Penney's catalog, you know? Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's step through the cast real quick. We got the goot. We got the goot. My as, man. As Carrie Mahoney, which is, uh, you know, he's the everyman. He's in and out of jail. And then uh, as a favor to his dad's friend, his dad's friend, uh, he goes to police academy rather than going to jail. Uh, Kim Cattrall, who's in absolutely everything yeah. as Thompson. I Up until watching it last week, I did not remember her in this movie because her part is fairly minimal other than just to be like... The love interest kind of eye candy. Oh whatever. my goodness, yeah. But this uh, in Big Trouble in Little China sealed Kim Cattrall in my heart. <laughs> and don't forget Star Trek Six. Oh yeah, uh, good, and good call. Mannequin too. Yeah, damn mannequin man, too. wow, yeah. Mannequin and oh, mannequin too on the move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bubba Smith, the late Bubba Smith as Cadet Moses Hightower. I forgot he died till just now. That just bummed me out. No, oh, I was trying to figure out who he was. Donovan Scott as uh, Cadet Leslie Barbara. He's the the token fat guy. Oh yeah, he gets pushed around. He runs the the film shop. Yeah, in the beginning, he's in like a photo mat and get that gets thrown into the river. And he goes, "I'll show you. I'm joining Police Academy," but in a lighter voice. Yeah, later he becomes a, a hand to hand combat expert. <laughs> of course, he does. Yeah. No, it's it's actually I find that scene to be pretty convincing because he, he he pulls it off well. I think the hmm. actor. Like, he actually does morph into a, a more physically comfortable, capable dude. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we got Michael Winslow as Cadet Larvell Jones. Oh, Spaceballs fame until this point. Well, no. This is no, before no, Spaceballs. Oh, oh, yeah. Spaceballs was 7? 87? This is the, the yeah, breakout role for yeah. Michael Winslow. He's he's in, uh, that and the Azuzu commercials. And uh, He's in the second Cheech and Chong movie, which is, like, great. This one scene with him. Right. No, he was... Was he doing stand-up, I guess, at the time? He was doing his kind of like... Jimi Hendrix. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I've, you know, I've seen a stand-up special of his, and it's kind of funny, but it's also just kind of most of the stuff you've heard before. I imagine in the 80s, it would have gone over really well. But... Well, I hear most of his stuff every day when I'm walking places. <laughs> just car sounds and <laughs> It's whatnot. all him. Was uh, it Zuzu that was the beep-beep? Hi! I guess Hi. I'm too young to remember that. Oh, that was... Um... David Leisure. Samurai. The Suzuki Samurai. Oh, uh, Suzuki Samurai. Yeah, mm, he did a yeah. string of commercials where he pretended to be driving a Suzuki Samurai, and they would end with him making a horn honking noise, and then he would say hi. Right. So All they right. would end with beep, beep, hi. Uh, Andrew Rubin as Cadet Georges Martin. We just talked about him. Yeah. Uh, David Graff, who's Cadet Eugene Tackleberry. Oh, I miss him. Yeah, the late David Graff. Yeah, that's Cadet Eugene so Tackleberry. sad. Um, so, so sad. Heart Which attacks another, ran in his family. When uh, you know, when I was a kid, Tackleberry was also very funny. He's great. Now it's a little scary because there are a lot of people like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little less funny, but it's still... Uh, but then what could be better than Travis Bickle p- plead for laughs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it, which one is it when he, when he meets the girl and he's about to get married? Is she in Citizens on Patrol? Uh, well, he meets her in three. Yeah, and then he admits he's a virgin, which is one of the great scenes in that, ser- in that movie for me. Because they, they're so shocked by it. 
<laughs> but then he's sitting there like drinking a milk, isn't he? Something like that. Yeah. And right yeah. before they have sex, I seem to recall that uh, they disarmed themselves and they each had like 58 guns on them or something <laughs> yeah, right. like that. Right. Uh, got Bruce Mahler as uh, Douglas Fackler, who's the, the kind of henpecked husband that we were talking about earlier. Uh, got Marion Ramsey as uh, Cadet Laverne Hooks, star of my favorite scene in the movie uh, as, as, uh, as an adult of my age. And the... <laughs> The woman behind Don't Move Dirtbag. I, I didn't want to yell that, but right. yeah. That build-up, I remember being kind of uh, more funny and shocking. You know, it worked a lot better when I was when I was 10. But uh, now, like, the mousy parts are funny, funnier than, than her shouting to me. Hmm. All right, I'll give you that. You know, like, her, her reaction, like, the way that she plays that is just really good, I think. She's, yeah, definitely. She's funny as a mousy kind of quiet, yeah. quiet lady. <laughs> exact experience like i always remembered that being so funny when she turned out to be a badass at the end but right now it's just funny to watch her the whole time <laughs> yeah and that was a joke that they kept going back to the well for for every sequel yeah exactly <laughs> it's like well she'll sign on again so we got to write, write a new don't move dirtbag joke in here <laughs> hey if it works once it'll work at least six times yeah <laughs> And Pete, you got to introduce these next two as one. Cause... Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Uh, uh, Scott Thompson and Brant von Hoffman as uh, Copeland and Blanks. The Is Stooges. Scott Thompson of uh, Kids in the Hall or different Scott Thompson? Different Scott Thompson. I'm assuming because he doesn't look anything like Kids <laughs> in the Hall Scott Thompson, but it would be great. Yeah. Yeah. It'd make um, the Blue Oyster scene that much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which. We're yeah. going to have to talk about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, you know, we kind of, you know, it, it's come up once or twice, but the... Apparently in the 80s, we were terrified of uh, minorities and homosexuals. And that's what this movie is. I couldn't even look at myself. I know. It's like, ah, I'm a minority. (laughs) Run. I've got a little lingering fear sitting next to you right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I never got that Blue Oyster scene when I was a kid because I just figured like, oh, they're stuck and now they have to like dance and then they'll be like delayed from accomplishing the mission. (laughs) That's kind of how I saw it. Now they have to dance with these tough bikers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was trying to figure out what happened in that scene because in the next scene, um, those two guys end up getting confronted by Sergeant Harris, and he's like, "So what went on this weekend?" And they're kind of like, "Um, just some dancing." Like they're trying not to tell him. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was trying to figure out like if that meant that they became gay or something. <laughs> like, how, how much are they covering up? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of really weird and dark places that the, like that, that joke went to. Yeah. Like, were they raped? Yeah. Or did they like have to confront their own sexuality? What, what yeah. happened there? Yeah, and it's, it's the same song each time. It's like, da, 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 da. yeah, <laughs> it's funny. A friend of mine who happened to be gay asked me to meet them at a bar. Like, there were some friends, and I was like, cool, all right, I'll go to this bar. And I'm sitting in the bar, and I'm looking around, and I go, wait a second, is, am, am I waiting in a gay bar? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sorry. I'm like, no, I don't care, this is really cool. Like, everyone's super nice. There was, an, there was a crafts table in the back where people were making zines. <laughs> but as awesome as that was, it would have been so much better if the music was yeah. playing from the Blue Oyster. Like, I, I would, that would be my greatest bar experience ever. <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> That Can that be the song for for later? Well, that uh, you know, attentive listeners might notice that uh, we we use that as the background, the sound bed behind the uh, uh, Nerd Geek Dork sponsorship spots. 
So I don't know if there's subliminal messages there, but you know, you guys can figure it out. We should get sponsored again. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so this is a gay podcast? <laughs> now it is. Well, in my in my high school, there were some kids that would sing that music to insinuate that you were gay. You know, ah, like, see, why turn it into a bad thing? Like someone would walk into the locker room and they would go da 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 da. <laughs> yeah, it really. I mean, by even by the end of the movie, like all it all it takes, you know, when when Copeland and Blanks are kind of running around trying to hide from the riot, and they go into the, they're like, oh wait, here's a door, and they go into a room, and all it takes is like just that that little st- string of like, and you know, you just know what's going to happen. You crack up because you know exactly what happened. And and they again, that's another one. I think they keep going back to the well with that one. Too. Yeah, that all that shows up is, a few times. Yeah, all they need is that little musical clip, and it makes everything. That's in the other movies? Yeah. Yeah, it's in a couple of them. They probably even put it in the trailer for the movies, so people are like, yes, they're using that music. (laughs) (laughs) I want to figure out how they worked it into uh, Miami and Moscow scenarios. Has anyone else here actually seen Mission to Moscow? I rented it to be a completionist. Wow. That is weird. Yeah, I saw that when I was maybe like 15, maybe, I guess. And how was it? It was pretty bad. Okay, here's a a testament to how bad uh, City Under Siege and Mission to Moscow are uh, city under sieges after miami beach yeah yes it's number six okay okay so when i was working in barnes and noble the same one that steve gutenberg would frequent we got the police academy box set that had sure. all seven movies mm-hmm. <laughs> but the sticker said featuring five classic movies <laughs> <laughs> You know, there was a TV series as well in, oh, <laughs> one episode. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I saw the pilot. It wasn't that good. <laughs> in 1997, like 10 years after the last movie. Well, that's when they were doing those weird TV spinoffs, because they did Ferris Bueller, they did Bill and Ted, and I think there was one more, but they never ran like more than two episodes or something like that. Yeah. Was there, did they do it for Revenge of the Nerds? Or that just did, they just did a couple of TV shows? Uh, they TV did a movies. couple of TV movies, of which I've seen them all. Right. Uh, all right, so back to the cast for a second. We've also got uh, G.W. Bailey as uh, Lieutenant Thaddeus Harris. Yes. And then he disappeared for two movies? Oh, that's right, because there's Mauser. Yeah, until Mauser paralyzed, got paralyzed. Mm. And Mauser is also the like security guard in Mannequin, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Oh. Wow, correct? yeah, he is. Maybe that's how he got the job. They were like, <laughs> Kim Cattrall was just like, oh, I, I know a guy. Yeah, he's an authority figure. <laughs> Uh, as we as we mentioned, George Gaines, uh, Punky Brewster's dad, as uh, Commandant Lassard. Yes. As Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a fish. Um, but it was somebody else's fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that part was funny, too. I forgot about that. Like, Mahoney's like, is that your fish? He's like, no, I'm holding it for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's good, like, slapstick kind of, you know, goof comedy. Yeah. So pretty consistently. Yeah, he was another one of my favorite. Parts. I didn't really appreciate him that much as a as a kid, but now I'm like, oh, he was funny. Yeah, I thought like watching it, I was like, this movie makes him seem like this, like takes his whole thing up a couple of levels, contrasting him with the rest of the movie. Kind of, hmm, like, right. he's like a he was like the Alec Guinness of the movie. <laughs> well, he has do, this... do me a favor, promise me you'll never watch Police Academy ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he has this wonderful ability to, like, like, he holds, 
he has an, uh, he has this ability to have dignity while being a doofus the entire time. <laughs> right. It's kind of how I try to live my life. Kind of like Leslie Nielsen does in the Naked Gun films and Police um, Police Squad. It's just yeah. sort of like he plays it completely straight while being a complete goofus. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. I actually went through the Lethal Weapons recently, and man, do they hold up. They're funny. Wait, lethal They're, Weapon or Naked Gun? Naked Gun, sorry. Why did I go Lethal Weapon? <laughs> I don't know. Lethal Weapon holds up. You yeah. were thinking of... Uh... Fatal weapon? What's the what's fatal the, attraction? Fatal no. inst- oh, loaded weapon. Fatal inst- loaded weapon. I own loaded weapon on DVD because why wouldn't I? <laughs> Continue. Loaded weapon part one. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's mostly it. We we had uh, Leslie Easterbrook as the aforementioned uh, Callahan. The hello Callahan. <laughs> the buxom member of the troop. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who I I. Uh, in the intervening years between last seeing it and now, and somebody was like, oh, yeah, Kim Cattrall is in uh, uh, Police Academy. I was like, I pictured, I was like, man, Kim Cattrall is that, that busty kind of instructor? But no. <laughs> Kim Cattrall's role was so kind of forgettable, and, and uh, uh, Callahan, Callahan had a much better part. Yeah. That's pretty much it. We got a couple, yeah, you that's know, handful of other guys that uh, you know minor oh, parts. I, uh, Georgina Spelvin was the hooker, and she was actually a porn star, I think. Oh, uh, like yeah, yeah. I think she showed up later on in one other movie. The Hooker? Yeah. Hmm. I feel like, because they redid the, 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 the oral sex desk thing right. one more time. Or so. Like, she showed up again. You're not going to leave the post-it that says sex desk on my desk. It says blowjob Blow desk. desk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get rid of it at some point. All right. I have a quick story that you guys might appreciate in terms of combining nerdy things. It involves- Before we do that, I, okay. I just want to say, even though we're focusing on the first film, because they were so important to the overall series, it seems like a shame not to I mention either Bobcat Goldthwait's oh, yeah, yeah. Zed or the guy who played Sweet Chuck. Yes. That's uh, Tim Kazarinski. Yeah. Tim yeah. Kazarinski from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, my, my story jumps all the way to Assignment Miami Beach. Um, I went to go see uh, Chris Hardwick do stand-up comedy, The Nerdist, mm-hmm. um, and he happens to be a friend of a friend. So we were all hanging out uh, after the show, and we we're just talking about nerdy things. And I don't know what came over me, but I'm just sitting there quietly while they're talking about something, and I, I let out like this scream, and I go, wait a second, the bad guy from Assignment Miami Beach is Odo from Deep Space Nine. Rene Agenoir? Yeah. And oh, it yeah, just yeah. there's something about that that just blew my mind that at that moment I couldn't think of anything else but that. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. also you you refer to police academies without uh with dropping the police academy. <laughs> right, right. You're at the level where it's subtitle only. <laughs> that guy from episode seven is uh... <laughs> Oh wait! On the wiki, there's a there's a list of the Blue Oyster Bar. Yeah, the locations it within, mentions. within the film series. Unsuspecting characters periodically enter the bar, unaware of its nature. <laughs> Once inside, the victims are trapped and forced to dance with the patrons to the signature tune El Bimbo. Among those lured into the bar were Blanks and Copeland in the first movie, uh, Sweet Chuck Mahoney and Hightower in the second movie, Proctor. Oh, Proctor! Wow, Proctor. Proctor! Yeah, Proctor was the uh, he's like the Bowser's sidekick, right? Yeah, and then but then he but then he carried over and became Harris's sidekick, right? Uh, in the third and fourth movies, Proctor, and then uh, in the fourth movie, Captain Harris. Who, but Proctor uh, really enjoyed himself there. Like he he got like into it. Yeah. Wait. I, now that we're now that we're uh, going beyond the first movie, I have to look up Proctor to see who. Uh, Lance Kinsey. I say I'm glad you guys brought up Bobcat Goldthwait and Proctor because they were really uh, they make me think. Oh, maybe it doesn't end at the first movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I gotta say, this series was like the most reliable like comedy series. I think like growing up, I mean, you had like every year from like eighty four to eighty nine, there was like another movie. Yeah, and it had like all those you know fleshed out minor characters. Like, I mean, I love like part three and four, and it's oh, got yeah. like all of those. You know, part four is there. one of my favorites, probably because it has jet skis. No, that's in three. That's the end. Wait, no, that's I that's thought that's that's Miami four, Beach, isn't it? No, no, Jet Skis is part four. Uh, wait, I thought. Oh wait, no, wait. I thought it was three. Oh wait, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mixed up Citizens on Patrol and Back in Training. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those two, you could watch them together like one movie. Yeah, because that. Oh, we forgot Brian Tochi of Revenge of the Nerds fame, right? Oh, right. <clears throat> and also Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, wait. What, Where's he? Oh, in there? right, 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 right. He's okay. uh, he's uh. What's I can't remember what his name is in that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember it without being racist. Is it Gata? <laughs> Gata. He's, he's Takashi in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Uh, Tomoko Elvis Nagata from ah, the third close. and fourth Police Academy films, and the voice of Leonardo in the first three live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong. He and Callahan end up having a relationship. Yes, they did. Wow. All right. And then you got David Spade in Citizens on Patrol. Uh, Tony Hawk. All oh, right, Tony right. They're, 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 they're Sharon Stone. Oh yeah, wow, um, they've gotten everyone in these movies. Yeah, there's a, there's a good launching, you know, vehicle. Yeah, that skateboarding scene is like great. I read that uh, Stacy Peralta directed that whole sequence, and it's all with you know guys like Tony Hawk and Caballero, like all those big skateboarders of the time. Mm. Right. Nice. Yeah, Citizens on Patrol was kind of like that, oh, and. Um, Ernest Goes to Camp were like the two two of the first movies that I realized as I was watching them I wasn't enjoying them. What? <laughs> that oh, Teen Wolf Two being the other one. Oh yeah, oh. Teen Wolf also. Hey, yeah. <laughs> don't you ever say that about Teen Wolf? Look who else is talking. Also, <laughs> <laughs> is that part like six? <laughs> Here's my one of my favorite news stories of all time. All right. From 2005, I believe. I'm at the edge of my seat. <laughs> it's from KW, Adam's reading it. From KWQC, which I believe is in Iowa. <coughs> Officer shoots man outside Polk County Courthouse. A man who reportedly was spray painting a pickup truck near the Polk County Courthouse was shot by law enforcement officers today. Police say the man was spraying something on a white pickup when he was confronted by a Polk County Sheriff's deputy. Other officers rushed to the scene, and as the man reached behind him, he was shot at least once, apparently by the deputy. Police Sergeant Todd Dykstra says officers were just beginning their investigation and declined to say how many shots were fired or where the suspect was hit. There was no immediate word on the man's condition. The words, Police Academy 7, were spray-painted on one side of the truck. (laughs) That's it? That's it. <clears throat> Maybe if he was allowed to finish, he'd write Mission to Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was shot for spray painting uh, Police Academy 7 onto a pickup truck outside the county courthouse. So the one fan of that movie got shot. <laughs> <laughs> was it his truck or somebody else's? Uh, or sure. One of the actors in Police Academy 7's truck. <laughs> yeah, it would be and funny if he got... Tackleberry died. Aww. <laughs> Actually, his story is far more tragic than that. I, for some reason, I know all that. He what? had a heart attack at a wedding. Oh, really? Aww. Oh. And he died around like the same age day as his dad did from the same thing. Something like that. Hmm. 
This could I'm remembering reading this when I was like 15. Yeah, it says right. that right here on the IMDb. Wow, Isn't really? It, uh, yeah. Wow, I guess I still retain that information. <laughs> tragic coincidence, David passed away at the same age and condition his father did. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> because around that time he was making appearances on Family Matters, I believe. Hmm. Oh, guess what else? He won $10,000 on the $25,000 pyramid. So he didn't win the whole thing. Huh. As a, <laughs> he got like three tiers up. As a civilian. And then later, as a Not as a police officer. <laughs> oh, wow. Check this out. He was on the $25,000 pyramid with help from celebrity player Patty Duke. He won $10,000. And then, years later, as a celebrity, he played on the $100,000 pyramid against Patty Duke. What? what? Talk about coincidence. That's crazy. What's that for loyalty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the backstabber. At first he was the learner, but now he's the master. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Um, so they're also, uh, they've been talking about either remaking or rebooting, you know, sequelizing Police Academy. Apparently. Don't reboot it. Because uh, there's, a, there's a Police Academy movie that last report is coming out this year. In 2014, for those of you listening in the future. Yeah, if you go to the IMDb page of the producer, what's his name? Matt. 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 Paul Maslansky. Maslansky. It says announced Police Academy. Just It's just called Police Academy. Yeah. They're starting over. Interesting. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I guess everything's getting kind of rebooted or sequels or, or whatever. I, I would much prefer a sequel, you know, Police Academy, the next generation, than, than a, a reboot. Like, I don't want to see... Yeah, I don't want to see. I'm trying to think of like who who's a young guy that they would get, like who's a who's a young actor that's kind of vaguely vaguely comical chops that they would get to play Mahoney. Put like Michael Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> no way. He's not, he's not every man enough. He's too like yeah. nerdy. He would be like uh, like he could be Chuck. sweet sweet Chuck. Yeah, yeah sweet Chuck or or <laughs> I keep forget Fackler or something. But uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we've kind of degenerated into the like wizard casting session of uh, <laughs> used to be in there, which means at some point we're going to have to uh, cast Howie Long as somebody. Right. <laughs> oh, he could be Tackleberry. Yeah, <laughs> Tackleberry. All right, so let, let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the racism and sexism. Why? <laughs> why? Why? Why talk about the negative aspects? Well, That's homophobia. But yeah, you know, this is I mean small, homophobia. Adam. Yeah. I'll include I, homophobia was kind of had one category of sexism. It's got one foot in each, I think. Mm. Okay, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, like there's not a lot of kind of negativity directed towards the black characters, but there's a there's like definitely a like uh, a fear, like I said before. Yeah, that, like there's a lot directed at Hightower by Harris. Yeah. Well, there's this one part where. Um, Hooks does her driving test, and then oh, yeah. she runs over that guy's feet. Oh, yeah. It says something like, you poor driving jigaboo. And, yeah. then, and then everyone just stands there except for Hightower. Like, everyone's just like, well, okay, that wasn't nice, but I'll just... And then Hightower goes and, like... Um, he flips the car, doesn't he? Flips the yeah. car and gets fired and gets kicked out of the police academy. And then he becomes a florist. Yeah, he, he was a florist. and he a was, florist, yeah. Which I think is, is fantastic. There was this weird period in the 80s where, like, racism wasn't necessarily cool, but it wasn't, like, illegal or anything. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's weird. It, 
you know, because it's not, you know, the racist character, like, uh, uh, was it Copeland or Blanks? The, the oh, one, one of them is, like, straight up, yeah, like, yeah, basically the one that, skinhead. Like, when they're lining up, like, he was like, wow, there's an awful lot of spades here. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, notices you know, Hightower behind him, and he's like, oh, which is good. You know, I'm glad that we're, you know, has to, has to back down from that. But, like, he says that, he says a couple of racist things. He's, his license plate on his car is a Confederate flag. Like, he's played up as the the kind of racist hick yeah which is i guess why you you laugh more when bad shit happens to him right but i mean even still like you have characters like that now but you wouldn't maybe it's just the terminology doesn't you know we've we've we put those words to bed like nobody's said spade or jigaboo in forever or yami yami yama 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 this was totally a thing that you noticed though when you watch movies from the 80s like oh yeah i mean the last one of these podcasts was that i did was the temple of doom one which has this ridiculous like japanese character guy and goonies had the same guy and uh we gotta do goonies (laughs) yeah true (laughs) i believe in temple of doom there were chinese caricatures racist well, it was the same guy that played the Japanese guy. In the I'm sorry, Damon. I can't hear you through your robe and cloak. God. Wow. <laughs> Damon does wear robes and cloaks a lot, but not, not in a racist way. I actually didn't even get that. Oh, oh you're saying I'm in the KKK. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? it was such a casual realization. Oh, you're saying I'm a racist. Gotcha. Oh, I'm in a hate group. That's right. <laughs> gotcha. You're making fun of me for wearing robes and cloaks. <laughs> so, what about Police Academy appeals to you guys? The sexism and racism. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta say those like minor characters with you know those little scenes. I mean, I love that scene with the exercise bicycle like speeding up and he goes in the pool. I mean, it's like stupid, but you know, it still gets me. Hmm. Stuff like that. Wait, which one is that in? In part three with Sweet Chuck. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. like and he like keeps cycling even though he's like <laughs> underwater. <laughs> it has a little bit of a Seven Samurai plot structure. <laughs> 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 Sentences of, never heard <laughs> until today. Wow. <laughs> bunch of um, kind of uh, wanderers from a varying origins, miscreants band together to become a great, greater as a whole than as their parts and save the day at the end, right? Hmm. Akira Kurosawa's Police Academy <laughs> would be a, an amazing movie. <laughs> it, it also, I, I think there's sort of a, there's like a little genre like this of, um, you know, I think maybe Revenge of the Nerds had it. Um, like Animal Cannonball House. Run a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, there's that, the slobs versus snobs. But uh, it's comedy. Yeah, and it starts with like the you know putting the so game together. You see all of them introduced in their original environments, and then they all come together at the right. I mean, it, whatever. It's <laughs> a different trope than you know. This combines slobs versus snobs and the that that kind of <laughs> Seven Samurai. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting the gang together thing because it does, you know, it pulls out everybody from there. You know, you have the moment of meeting everybody, like uh, Stripes. Stripes. This is yeah, very yeah. similar to Stripes. Totally. And if only Kurosawa could have directed Part <laughs> Six, it might have been good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were. I mean, 
I would say that it falls neatly in the slobs versus snobs category, particularly the yeah. first one. I mean, they are incompetent until the end. Yeah, yeah. That's usually my favorite part of the Police Academy movies, how, like, cohesively they act in the final, like, right. 15 minutes. The redemption. Yeah. Like the redemption. Yes. I do. But, yeah, that... The <laughs> There's scene always with hope. Hightower is kind of, uh, not as redemption, but... I guess it was redemption. Oh, when he takes the gun, he's like, oh, when let he me shows finish up him. and like the, you know, the, the evil gang leader who they, I'm sure had a whole discussion about, like he had to be a crazy white guy, like that you couldn't have this whole thing and then have the evil gang leader be any, any kind of minority. Because they wouldn't want to give a minority power. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, the leader Man, has I, to be white, of course. Tower's story is very weird because he's cast out of the, out of the group because of his reaction to, to racism. Right. And so then his redemption is actually like, I don't know, I guess he just saves the day. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of an odd uh, turn his, his story takes. Yeah. yeah. It was like trying to teach you that in Police Academy you have to bump, 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 toe the line. Yeah, just toe the line. <laughs> there is a weird thing about the premise of the Police Academy films, which is just like, you know, we, we, in order to get more police officers, we decide we'd allow convicted felons into joining the police force. Right. He was reformed. But well, he still, like, that, had a police record. Wait, um, are you talking about Mahoney or are you talking about... Oh, yeah, Zed? Mahoney and Zed. Mahoney and Zed. I mean, and, like, and, and, actually... I, and, I always uh, watch Mahoney and Zed in the morning. And Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Jones. Jones. Jones was in the, in the police... Ca- in the, in, in the prison, too, too yeah. yeah. That's right, that's right. Oh, because yeah. Zed is the gang leader in the second movie, right? Yeah, like, right. Zed, it could be argued, was a veritable terrorist. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, True. Totally. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have like one of the movies where he just shoots bullets out of his mouth. <laughs> because he was just such a like comical cartoon character that I wouldn't have been surprised. Was that where everybody first saw Bobcat Goldthwait? I think it was for me. I think Bobcat so for me too. I yeah, can't I... remember which came first, uh, Mike One Crazy Summer or, or uh, oh. Police Academy Two. Uh, but yeah, I think it was, it was same, Police same Academy year. Two. Yeah. Were they the same year? Uh, part Two was not. Well, I yeah. thought he was in Part Three, but well, he's in Part Two, and in Part Three, that's when he joins the Academy. Yeah. Oh, so then Part Two came out first. Mm. Yeah, this is definitely the first time that I, you know, in in the back of my mind, Bobcat Goldthwait is always a little bit that guy from Police Academy. Yeah. Oh, he's a director now. Yeah. Yeah, he's made yeah. some interesting stuff. Yeah, Shakes the Clown is great. I love that movie. <laughs> he works with Dimitri Martin. Do you know where uh, this is uh, an aside? But since since he is the guy from Police Academy, I'll do it. You know where uh, Bobcat Goldthwait? His real name is just Bob, but you know why he's Bobcat? He used to be an act. They used to be a, like a two man comedy act with uh, uh, Tom Kenny, who's the voice of uh, SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants, amongst other things, and many and, other cartoons. Which and I think they were uh, they were Bobcat and Tomcat. That was like their you know the, the, the things that got added onto their names when to prove they were a pair. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they kind of, you know, went their separate ways. Tom Kenny did went, uh, I guess, to do more kind of uh, acting voiceover work, whatever. But uh, Bobcat Goldthwait kept the the cat part <laughs> and yeah. starred in the seminal Hot to Trot with the voice of John Candy. <laughs> yes, oh, <laughs> great Hot to Trot. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to say that looking at Bobcat Goldthwait's uh, film history, Police Academy, where he had like the role as the starring villain, practically. I think that made his career. He was oh, in yeah. two. He was in a TV movie and one other thing that I've never heard of before that, before being Zed. 
Hmm. What was the thing you've never heard of out of curiosity? Oh, uh, I haven't heard of a lot. So it was. Called, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I wanted to double check. It's yeah. called uh, Citizen Kani. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Massive Retaliation. Hmm. Okay, something we've never heard of. Yeah. yeah, okay. I think I saw them open for Testament once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, it would be interesting to see that. He's probably just like a regular guy in that movie. Like, hi, I'm, I'm Ernie. <laughs> 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 or <it's> like <laughs> oh fucking police academy <laughs> that was the porn parody <laughs> uh so it's weird that like it doesn't take place anywhere specific he in just fact, coughed wasn't it actually credited as in an unknown american city or something like that i think so yeah or unnamed american city. or was it like well i don't know if they specifically say that do they i don't okay. know right. um but it, I know it was filmed in, like, Toronto or Ontario or something. Yeah, I mean, both in Toronto and L.A. a little bit. So there's weird, uh, you know, <laughs> there's stuff where there's, like, palm trees in the background, but then there's also stuff that's, you know, obviously Toronto, and it's, yeah. it's a weird, just kind of like... <laughs> and then there's also herds of moose. <laughs> right. Actually, a really funny um, text explanation at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it and read it to you guys. But it actually goes into the local political situation and how they arrived at this solution uh, to get more police. Right. It was an idea that the mayor had. Mm. A newly right. elected mayor, Mary Sue Beale, announced that she was changing the... Okay. Oh, it's called the Metropolitan... Oh, sorry. One sec. <laughs> you can edit out the part where I'm trying to think of what it is. doesn't work no. for you, Damon. Yeah, it doesn't work for you. I'm going to leave this part. I'm gonna Only us. Parts. I just I just laughed to myself a couple seconds ago because I thought of the scene in uh, Police Academy 2 when they're partnered up with all their new partners and Mahoney's partner is eating cereal and he stops and he just like flings the, what's in his spoon off screen and he's yelling at his cat and he's like, I told you, use the damn litter box. Because <laughs> the cat just shit in his cereal. <laughs> I'd be enraged if that happened to me, but since it didn't, I find it insanely funny. <laughs> it's actually a really strange opening. It just says, on March 4th of this year, the <laughs> <Right. laughs> elected mayor, Mary Sue Beale, announced that she was changing the hiring practices of this, of this city's police force. Huh. It doesn't say any. Oh, no longer would height, weight, sex, education, or physical strength be used to keep new recruits out of the Metropolitan Police Academy. <laughs> so that's the that's the setting here. Police Academy Seven should have a monkey. Police Academy like, Seven already happened. Eight. <laughs> Police I, Academy I, Ape. Wow, Roger Ebert hated this movie. <laughs> what? I wonder why. Did he I, change his mind later on? I don't know. I would hope so. I, I, know, I read earlier the Times review where Vincent Canby actually thought it was pretty funny. Uh, but Roger Ebert gave it zero out of four stars and said that it's really something. It's so bad. Maybe you should pull your money, draw straws, and send one of the guys off to rent it so that in the future, whenever you think you're sitting through a bad comedy, he could shake his head, chuckle tolerantly, and explain that you don't know what bad is. <laughs> I think he was trying too hard with that. Yeah, a little bit. He's, it looks, seems like he was trying to be clever. But. Yeah. How can you hate Police Academy? I know. Well, I mean, I think it helps if you weren't nine when the movie came out. Good point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, I was, if what? it came out today, I might hate it. I was one when it came out. <laughs> mm. 
So babies loved this yeah. movie. So I also the so, critical faculties weren't involved yet. So at first, I mean, all the versions I saw were like on you know Channel Eleven or something. So they were sli- like slightly edited. So I was much older when I was like, "Whoa, there's nudity in this." No, <laughs> actually, that was fairly recent. Police Academy was like on was, Netflix uh, not weekend. too long ago, like a couple months ago, or maybe a year ago. I was like, "Wait, what? There's breasts." <laughs> That was I've had a hard time trying to trying to find it because I got an urge to watch it not too long ago and I, I uh, um, actually it was while we were recording I think the Huey Lewis episode of Nerd Geek Dork for some reason I wanted to watch Police Academy after that <laughs> I forgot how it came up but uh, probably went, through Back to the Future or something <laughs> it it wasn't available on any kind of streaming thing and then I I, I want to say just recently it became available for rental on Net, on Amazon and stuff. Mm. All right, anybody have anything else to say about Police Academy? Because we said very little about it. We <laughs> <laughs> said stuff about it. We went off a different... Uh, uh, which is everyone's point. favorite movie in the series? I, I would say my favorite is part three. Uh, I, I, my whole you know assessment of the series is turned upside down, having recently rewatched the first one. Now I have to go... Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm going to go back and rewatch them all, but... Uh, I I'm actually I can... up for two and three if you want to do that. All right. Like, like I kind of want to see the, the emergence of Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. Right. I actually, I haven't seen any of them in years, but I saw two and, the, two and three theatrically. Um, I, I, guess, I guess I would have to go for two. I think I might have to go to three because the water skis, <laughs> the jet skis. <laughs> and the jet skis are pretty cool. Yeah. No, no, no doll. And, uh, and there's uh, the cool kung fu scene where. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Nagata and Jones fight everyone. Yeah. yeah. Now, in Police Academy 2, I feel like when I think about that one, I feel like the plot actually had a little bit of like tension in it. Like somebody got kidnapped by the gang, and it was actually kind of like, oh my God, they might kill him or something, right? Yeah, there was something like that. Yeah, but that's the the story actually had a little bit of like, it was gripping. That (laughs) happened in the one, in the first one, the one that we just watched too, (laughs) that uh, Harris got kidnapped by the gang. Oh, but I was never I was never on the edge of my seat. Uh, with <laughs> no. Yeah, and Michael Winslow does the machine gun sound effect to like scare off the gang members. Yeah, that worked nicely. Wait, was that in both? Or I that think in... that's in two. Like he does it into the like, microphone or he megaphone. Did one, sure. Yeah, he does it in one definitely because he gets in the uh, Commandant Lassard just drives up because you know they're supposed to be somewhere else. Like the cadets were all accidentally assigned to like the heart of the riot. And uh, so he shows up to do like an inspection and he's just like, hello, cadets, what's going on? And they, they all jump into his car and then it's immediately surrounded by gang members. And he, yeah, yeah. he oh, tries, sh- tries shouting at them to get the, you know, telling them they're all under arrest and whatever. And it doesn't well, work. goes, you have five seconds to move away from the car or yeah. I will arrest you. And he goes, five, four, <laughs> three. And it doesn't work. <laughs> and so then Jones oh, takes it. <laughs> That's part of his charm. Jonas's magic little kind of PA microphone there. I don't know. Is that something they they kind of keep going back to? Like, does that come up at all, or do they just pretend that his voice is loud? Because, like, in the first one, they, he has a little kind of microphone, you know, like a yeah, yeah, like yeah, a PA thing that seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, at one point, he has a giant boombox, so it might be attached to that. But mm. then he, you don't really see him with it ever again. And whenever it's convenient, he just kind of pulls this microphone out and does his little sound thing. Like maybe I remember it being magic powers, basically. Yeah, it, they, Makes they sense take to me. more and more liberties with it as it goes on. Like in the in the last couple of movies, he's just 
holding his mouth open and they're putting in full on sound effects <laughs> like in hoax. It's like that guy from Sesame Street. <laughs> All right, so we can uh, we can kill it there. Anybody have any last comments? Anybody want to get anything in real quick? It's a movie, all right. In fact, it's about six of them. <laughs> Seven. Don't forget the one on the van. Yes. I wasn't. He didn't die for nothing. <laughs> well, he didn't get shot for nothing. Yeah. I don't know uh, if he died. He kind of did. But... <laughs> <laughs> the poster to Police Academy 2 says, Watch out. They've got to clean up the worst crime district in the world. But that's no problem. They're the worst police force in the universe. <laughs> wow. That's not... They're worse than those schlubs from Venus, huh? <laughs> There's some kind of logic there. Yeah, they should have done one in space. That would have been good. Yeah. Well, that's my new sitcom, The Schlubs from <laughs> Venus. Actually, they should Mr. Be and Mrs. Schlub. Because it goes, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, the order goes, like, hood, like, first you go to the hood, and then you go into outer space. True. Using the, like, leprechaun lexicon. And the Friday the 13th lexicon. And yeah. the Friday the 13th lexicon. I think Friday the 13th did it first. Yeah. But- yeah, yeah but, you know, really, they never really went to the hood so much as he took Manhattan. Right, true. And he was only really in Manhattan for like 10 minutes, but uh, yeah, he didn't that, have that to was, go out of space. That whole movie was on a boat. That pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where Leprechaun in the Hood took place squarely in the hood. True. From what I understand, first you take Manhattan, then you take Berlin, right? <laughs> and then you take outer space, yes. Yes, right. That was the uh, that was the sequel song that Leonard Cohen never recorded. <laughs> and then you take out of space, kids. <laughs> I'm sad. Um, yeah, they should. You know, I would definitely watch Police Academy in space. Who, yeah, wouldn't? who, who wouldn't? Seriously, let that be a lesson. I mean, you know, there'd be like a weightless vomit gag, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> now we're going to talk about what it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have, like, uh, Gleep Glorp, the, like, alien uh, cadet. Right. Who would fart a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good night, everybody. I, I want to see this movie. Yeah, that's going to go on my list with, uh, I, I wanted to do Caddyshack 3D. Oh, that would be great. Lots of CG, oh, nice. <laughs> CG golf stuff going on and, you know, make some kind of joke about balls in your face. I don't know. Oh, God. Now we're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on that note, thanks, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, damn it, I'll come over at some point and we'll watch Police Academy too. On that note. <laughs> we'll see you guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Junkie named Sally. So you better go home. Leave you alone. We're citizens on the
Can we get the monkey for most valuable primate? Yeah. Yeah, MVP. No, I'm yeah. sure he's dead. <laughs>